0: to you? So great you're here this afternoon. This is uh, far and away the most significant holiday in the Christian calendar because we're celebrating what's central to Christianity and that is the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Uh, What I would like to be able to do today is present to you the Uh, the heart of the Christian message. Sometimes you'll see something on TV or you'll watch a YouTube clip or talk to somebody and you hear little bits and pieces of what Christianity is about. I would like to be able to, in the next uh, few minutes, summarize to you what the heart of the Christian message is. Now, for some of you this is going to be new information. I believe that you'll find it helpful. For others of us here, it's going to be a reminder. But this is exactly what the purpose of Easter is for, is to remind us about what the heart of our faith is all about. There are many ways to present the Christian message. Um, we have an app in our church called the Blue Card, and it's a summary of the Christian message. But what I'd like to do today <coughs> is uh, is describe this Christian message in the way that God Uh, taught me I grew up in a home that kind of believed in Jesus we faithfully went to church once every year or two and uh, kind of had a a basic kind of belief in God and then my brother came home from UBC we lived on the island my brother came home from UBC one Christmas and told us about the Christian message and in that moment uh, the first time I ever heard about what Jesus had done for me I became a Christian. And within the next six months, our whole family went from being a family that didn't really believe or follow in Jesus to all of us becoming Christians. It was a very dramatic and significant moment for us. So I kind of grew up as a Christian, and uh, I read my Bible faithfully, but lots of it didn't quite make sense. But I was a good Christian, and so I tried to believe everything in here, and I... I knew what it said, but it didn't always line up for me. And then it wasn't until many years later, I was in a, believe it or not, a counseling course, and all of a sudden, it all clicked for me. And why Jesus needed to die on the cross with the resurrection of the dead, all of these things that I had heard about, all kind of fell together. And so I want to be able to explain that to you today. Uh, It begins with looking at our core needs, so are we, can you click something magical? (laughs) Or to people, he went away. Uh, There we go, is it here? It's not working. That's excellent. Can you call up the, uh, there we go, we had a cool thing that was going to happen today, and it didn't. There we go. So, the uh, let me just do one more here. Is that going to work? Look at that. No. <laughs> there we go. I think you, I think it's you. I think it's going to be no, not your fault. I think it's going to be you that clicks the button. I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's going to work. So, uh, looking at. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> uh, I took a course in counseling and I remember listening in that course that everybody has two core needs or two relational needs. Uh, the need uh, for security and the need for significance. Wow, my voice. <clears throat> it's all happening today, isn't it? Everybody on the face of the planet has two core needs. Everybody wants to be unconditionally loved and accepted, and everybody wants to have meaning and purpose. Everybody wants to be known for who they are, all the good, bad, and the ugly, and hear the words, I accept you and love you in that place. And everybody would like to wake up in the morning and have a meaningful day, something of value and worth, something that contributes to society something that's valuable. So, all of, uh, all that ultimately drives us is our need for security and significance. It determines what we believe, our belief system. It determines who we would like to marry. It determines the friends that we choose, the career that we want. All of these things are ultimately defined or driven by the need for security and significance. So how do we then experience that? Well, we have, what would be our experience of it is in two ways, first in security, We would need to receive love. Now, typically, the way that we think of security is if I want a secure existence, I'm gonna accumulate things. I'm gonna accumulate money and buy a house and have a stable job, and it's the things that kind of I accumulate. Well, the Bible says that the way that we would be secure is not so much in what we accumulate, it's whether we receive unconditional love. Now, it's vulnerable to receive this, isn't it? Because as soon as you're going to be unconditionally loved and accepted, somebody's gonna give you a gift of love. You can't buy it, earn it, or manipulate it. And so everybody would like to be unconditionally loved and accepted, there's a vulnerability and a humility to that that makes it difficult for us. And so the problem that we find here is that mistrust causes us to self-protect and causes us to pull back from the very thing we so deeply long for. But nevertheless, the way that we become secure is through receiving love. The way that we become significant is by giving love. Now again, some people think that the way that you become significant is by getting a trophy for something or being recognized or somehow collecting something again. But the Bible teaches that the way that we become truly significant is in how we love others. The Bible says that freely we have received, freely we give, and that we love because he first loved us. Now the problem on this side with giving love is a problem of selfishness. I think everybody in this room would love to be loving. We would love to be kind and generous people, but there's a selfish core in who we are that makes that incredibly difficult. And what that selfishness looks like is what the Bible calls sin. We have a definition of sin that's based on Isaiah 59, a book in the Bible, and it's a helpful way to think about what sin is. Sin is whatever breaks relationship with God and others. And so as much as we want to give love, as much as we want to have a life of meaning and purpose and, and do things that are sacrificial, there seems to be something inside of us that makes this difficult. And so this experience that we long for, seems to remain elusive. So, how do we find fulfillment? This is where the Christian message really comes to play. And Acts 2.38, I think, gives one of the best summaries of the Christian message. And this is what it says in the Bible. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for two reasons. Number one is for the forgiveness of sins. And number two is you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I think this is absolutely remarkable. Here we have, which is common in psychology, if you take in any psychology, you've heard about security and significance. There's some kind of variation on that. Everybody wants these two things. It's a general agreed upon principle. We all value giving and receiving love. Everybody would like to be loved and to give love away to others. But we're stuck in that, aren't we? Jesus comes and gives to us two things that meet our two core needs. The first is forgiveness. Now, I'd like to give you a definition of forgiveness that you might find helpful. Uh, some people look at this idea of forgiveness, and, and it says in, in John 3:16 that God sent his son to die for our sins. And we look at that, and we go, what a horrible father. Why would he do that to a son that he loves? that he would send him to die for someone else's sins. That's unjust. It's unkind. What we don't understand is that it was Jesus' privilege to die for us. He chose to do it, not just for the love of his Father, but also for the love of humanity. Forgiveness provides a key form of love. It's the most profound form of love there is, and it's forgiveness. You see, if I just love somebody who's nice to me, that's kind of loving. They're nice to me, I'm nice to them, we have a friendship, it's mutually beneficial. Forgiveness is a whole different level of love. Forgiveness is giving to somebody what they don't deserve but desperately need. Forgiveness says you're doing the opposite of what deserving love would look like, but I'm still gonna choose to love you. Now, this definition of forgiveness is important, and here's what it says Forgiveness is justice paid at Christ's expense. Justice paid at Christ's expense. When we think about what love is, there are two forms of love mercy and justice. Mercy is being kind to somebody and giving them, as we already said, what they don't deserve. That's mercy. We often think that mercy and love are basically synonymous terms. But there's another dimension of love that's critical, and it's justice. What justice does is it pays the price for a penalty. Now, if you've ever had a crime done against you, you probably really care about justice. That you want to make sure that what that person did, a wrong against you or wrong against somebody that you loved, you want to make sure that that is paid for, that justice is served. It's another aspect of what love is. And so what we find in Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead is the perfect expression of love because it's the perfect expression of mercy and justice. Giving to us what we don't deserve, but paying for our debt, forgiving our sins. Instead of us being condemned to hell, that debt, that justice has been paid through the work of Jesus Christ. This is absolutely remarkable and sets Christianity apart from every other world religion. That we have the living God coming to earth paying the penalty for our sin instead of us, and having justice served in that act. This is why it's so important. You see, when justice is served, that means that this love that God gives us is eternally secure. If this love that Jesus gives us is simply based on his emotion, which is how we typically think of forgiveness, if somebody says, I forgive you, it basically means, I don't worry about it. But they could change their mind at any minute and say, actually, I'm going to worry about it, and I'm going to hold that against you. The remarkable thing about when Jesus says that he forgives is that he actually pays the penalty for our sin, which means that we are now eternally secure. God can't change his mind because the debt has been paid. The penalty has been paid. One of the courses that we have in our church is called Transformations, and we typically tell this story when we talk about the mercy and justice of the cross. Uh, I remember the first time I got a speeding ticket. I'd only had my license for a short amount of time, and I remember the uh, police officer coming up to me and... Uh, You know you were this much over the speed limit and I was I was uh, I was holding my Registration, you know my hand is shaking I'd never seen a police officer this close before and I and I knew I was guilty I knew I'd done wrong and so he goes back to their car I never know what they do back there, but then he comes uh, he comes out again, and he gives me back my Insurance and license and he slaps me on the shoulder and he says I'm gonna let you off this time Don't you ever do it again? You know, and I remember saying, oh, yes, Mr. Police Officer, I will never, ever do this again. I lied. Uh, (laughs) But it felt genuine in the moment, trust me. Now, uh, in that moment, did that police officer forgive my crime? It's an interesting question, isn't it? He let me off the hook. He didn't forgive my crime. Because nobody paid for my speeding ticket so if I would have uh, said oh no police officer and then uh, just sped away burned the tires and off I went he could have pulled me over a block down the road and says hey I changed my mind I do want you to pay up what would have had him uh, what would have made my debt forgiven is if he would have paid for that speeding ticket on my behalf And now if I would have burned off and he pulls me over a a block down the road and he says, I changed my mind, I go, hey, my ticket has been paid for. I am eternally secure in this speeding ticket moment. And there's nothing that you can do to undo this moment because my debt has been paid for, justice has been served, not just an emotional response of pity by the police officer. Justice is critical to have eternal Security. That's the first gift that we receive. Uh, This book in the Bible, Acts, chapter 2, verse 38, talks about a second gift. It says that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if forgiveness answers our, our need for eternal security, the Holy Spirit answers our need for eternal significance. How? By giving us the power to love by giving us the power to love. Again, I believe that everybody would like to be a loving person. Uh, I, I, I discover that to be true. I see lots of people who are very angry, live small lives, but you listen long enough and they wish that it could be different. The miracle of what Jesus does Is he doesn't just forgive what's wrong he actually gives his spirit to us to change our hearts and make us new and because it's he's it's Jesus spirit that comes in us we have his heart of love and are able to live in new ways the resurrection of Jesus from the dead guarantees that love will win Just as the resurrection guarantees that this debt was paid for by showing himself victorious over this penalty of death, so the resurrection also guarantees that love will win, that there's life on the other side of death. There's life found in Jesus Christ. Sin and suffering do not have the last word. It's a remarkable thought that God gives us his spirit To enable us to love him and to love others this idea of resurrection is so central to the Christian faith that uh, Jesus revealed himself after he rose from the dead ten different times to ensure that it would be clearly understood that he is the first to have ever risen from the dead And as we believe and trust in him for eternal life, we find ourselves caught up in his life and also rising from the dead, living forever in a life of love. So how do we receive or experience God's gifts? We do two things. We repent and we believe. Repent, you can see here is what does this word repent means? It means that we repent towards something. Repent simply means to change your heart or your mind. What do we decide to do? We decide to turn toward receiving love and giving love. To repent means that I have decided in my heart that I need the love of God and I want to give away the love of God. I don't want to live a life selfishly I don't want to live a life that breaks relationship. I want to receive God's love and I want to give that love away to others. That's what it means to repent. I don't know if you've ever been on Granville Street. I have a few times when there's somebody standing there screaming at the top of their lungs with a very angry face, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, they'll say and they look really mad at you. God bless them for Trying their best I think they're misunderstanding what repentance is Repentance means to change my heart And to say instead of living selfishly, I want to be somebody who gives and receives the love of God I turn toward love But here's the problem. I can't I'm not worthy to receive love And I'm not very good at giving love away And so comes the next point which is to believe to believe means to trust in Jesus' fulfillment of my repentance. I want, I want to be loved, but I can't. And so I trust that you will give me what I desperately long for but don't deserve, the forgiveness of my sins and the restoration of a relationship with you that is eternally secured based on your justice, not just on a Random act of kindness, which is so popular today And I trust that as I give myself to you that you also give me your spirit and that by his power I will be able to live in a new way To be the loving person that I long to be but can't and so I pray that you would fulfill my heart's desire to be unconditionally loved and accepted and to have a meaningful life purpose in the power of the very spirit of God. Every other religious leader is dead. Uh, Buddha, Gandhi, they spoke some very powerful words. They are not alive. Only Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And because of that resurrection that we celebrate here today, we know that his forgiveness of us is not uh, emotion and sympathy. It's the fact of a, of, a, of a debt paid fully. I am eternally secure because he showed his power over the penalty of my sin, death, He resurrected from the dead and showed himself powerful over that penalty, over death. And his resurrection proves that he is still alive and therefore able to come inside of me and you and give us new life. Not just a new teaching, not just new ideas, but new life. I remember the day, uh, it was December 22nd when my brother first told me this message. And uh, I was so scared. He told me this prayer to pray. Uh, this is true confessions, all right? He told me this prayer to pray. I didn't want to do it in front of him. I just, I, uh, I, I just couldn't do it. And so I, 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 I had to go to the bathroom. And so I became a Christian in the bathroom. So now you all know, and I'm sure you'll figure out a way to tease me about that. But, uh, but that's where I became a Christian. And I remember the next morning waking up and I knew I was different. I can't explain it. Uh, it wasn't like the sun was shining and it was raining the day before, or I knew that God's spirit had come inside of me and given me t- new life. Since then, my life has not always been easy, uh, much the same as yours. But here is what has remained true since that moment. Whether life is great or life is lousy, I've never been alone again. And through the trials of life and through the joys of life, I've had a living, loving, heavenly father walking with me through those highs and lows. And that has changed those tragedies into moments where I could find him And Find hope and joy even in those places Uh, It is without exaggeration that the Bible says and it's a it's a it's a phrase that gets almost scorned at in John 3 3 it says that we have been born again. I Experienced that over 40 years ago and I have never felt I've never needed to feel I have never been ever alone i have a heavenly father who's with me by his spirit through his son it's changed my life forever and there's nothing that i want to tell you outside of that because there's nothing more important more revolutionary has more potential to change this world and to change your life than the forgiveness and spirit of God, as you trust in him to fulfill your heart's longing, to give and to receive love. The central feature then of Christianity is not a cross. I don't know if you see people, if you're a Christian, I mean you have to buy a cross at some point and uh, you have to wear it and you know, uh, that's actually not the central feature. Um, Hundreds, probably thousands of people have died on a cross during the reign of the Roman Empire, what's remarkable is an empty tomb. I don't know how you how you can fit one of those in a keychain. It's probably why we don't do it. But uh, but that's the Christian symbol. It's not a cross, but an empty tomb, a risen Lord, a risen King, a risen Savior, one who has set us free. We have been made to have an eternal relationship with God, and that relationship makes us eternally secure. I am not afraid of going to hell. I'm not afraid of what will happen after I die. I am not afraid of that. I am sometimes afraid about how I'll die. I'll be honest with you. I'm not afraid of dying. I know who is on the other side of my grave, and He's alive, and He will welcome me. This is my hope. And it's a secure hope because he has already risen from the dead. We are made to have an eternal relationship with God and with others. And so my request to you today is will you repent and believe? Will you say, I want my life to be about the giving and the receiving of God's love? I'm going to churn my heart to making that my life purpose. I thought about this for a few years. If you can figure this out, you have a meaningful life. So I'm going to repent. I'm going to make that my life purpose. And will you then believe? Will you trust that Jesus Christ will forgive you your sins and give you new life by his spirit? I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes in a moment, I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna give an invitation for those of you who have never asked God, you've never repented or believed before, or you have and it, it didn't make sense, but now it does. I'm gonna ask you uh, in a minute to raise your hand and everybody's eyes will be closed as, we, as you do, but I, want to, I don't want this moment to pass by without giving you an opportunity to have eternal security and eternal significance. So let's close our eyes, please, out of respect. Jesus, I thank you that I'm praying to a person and not an idea. I'm praying to somebody who hears my prayers because he's alive. This is our hope. This is our reality. And I ask now for my friends here today that you would give us the grace to say yes to you, to repent and believe. Just as you did in my heart all those years ago, you warmed me toward you. I was so afraid. I didn't know how to trust what I couldn't see or control but you, you dropped my guards, and you came behind and loved me. <clears throat> and so I ask for my friends here today that they would know, not just have an emotional experience, but that they would know the eternal forgiveness, security found in Jesus Christ alone, and that they would know the eternal significance power of the Holy Spirit to make our life new and full of love whether this is the first time or we've heard it a thousand times before let this be a new moment and so while people's eyes are closed if this is the first time that you want to respond to a message like this I'm going to count to three and I'll ask you to put up your hand one two three please put up your hand thank you God bless you God bless you. Anyone else would like to put up their hand? Amen. Thank you very much. I see that. You can put your hand down. Father, I thank you that this new life is made available to us free of charge. And I now pray for those who have put their hand up that um, you would draw near to them, give them hope. And give them your peace, the peace that never goes away. In Jesus' name, amen. You can all stand. The worship team, you can come forward. What we're going to be doing today is uh, two things before the, uh, what is it, seek and find or something like that, uh, <coughs> what we're going to be doing is there'll be people, one on either side, are gonna be offering you communion. Now what communion is, is the celebration of what we just heard about. It represents the shed blood of Christ and his body that gives you strength that signifies his spirit for the journey. That's what's gonna be celebrated. So if you, if you have believed this, if you've repented and believed, then we encourage you on either side to come and to receive that. There'll be some people up here who would love to be able to pray for you. For those of you who put up your hand, would you please tell a friend so that they can tell you how to walk this out? Let's worship him together.